1: All day. all day, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, Birdland. when I lose, we bringing it to you always. always, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, orange or black, we rebuild the pack, no matter where we at, you know we coming back, section 336, we on this, so tune in. tune
0: in, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, yeah, yeah, welcome to Birdland, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, Birdland. now,
1: here come the boys from section 3.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Baltimore sports. Welcome to Section 36, it's the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. Oh man! You want to start over? <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I don't know. I was distracted. I was distracted. This being cooped up in this in this house too long is making me go crazy. In the closet, I got the. We got the the stay at home order. I I'm 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 I always go with the extra mile as far as precaution goes. So I haven't left my closet since the stay at. Home Warner has been enacted here in maryland um as always i'm joined by the button lover josh stroka
2: hey how you how you doing matt good, how's, good. The, how's that closet treating you you got a real you guys now you guys got a real stay at home what starting tomorrow starting tonight 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 we are 30 minutes into it gotcha and i am under florida law which is Which all crazy. Anything goes. <laughs> anything anything goes. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Yeah. We, we I, I got some
3: thoughts up. on that too, but we'll we'll hold off. We'll hold off. Yeah, before people we seem start to complaining, get topic. I know. Right. Before, we, this is an Oros podcast. Um, before people start complaining about us not talking about the O's, let's talk about some Oros baseball.
0: You used to call me all oh night. You used to. You used to. Yeah. You used to call me on my cell phone. Late night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone. Section
3: 336 now is excited, excited to be joined by Jeff Arnold. He is a broadcaster for the Orioles Radio Network uh, and, and Masson, uh, as well as a former uh, broadcaster for the, for the Keys, where, where we know Jeff. Um, returning guest, Jeff Arnold. Welcome to Section 336.
1: Thanks so much for having me guys. It's good to uh, catch up again.
3: Yeah. And uh, let's start with, um, and I should have said this first, even when we got you on the line is congratulations on the promotion. That's really cool. Jeff.
1: Oh, I really, I really appreciate it guys. It's a dream come true and I'm really excited to be with the Orioles and and stay within the organization and uh, it's been a blast so far.
2: Now was this flux of no baseball season and all of this have anything to do with your dreams? It's a weird time to get into to get the to get the call.
1: It it really is a strange uh situation right now, but uh, I think the biggest thing is just everybody's got to stay safe and not take any unnecessary risks, and stay inside and you know use this opportunity to watch old Orioles games and check out old games on YouTube and MLB network and you know pick up some books, there are a lot of great Orioles books out there and, and check those out and use the the time at home as as well as you can. But, you know, I think kind of what we just hope for is that everybody stays safe and and hopefully we'll be be able to play baseball at at some point.
2: All right, see that, Matt? He mentioned a bunch of things to do that don't have to do with Tiger King. Yeah, thank goodness, because
1: you know how I feel about that.
3: Um, No, but I was thinking about this. I just, I think a lot about how this is affecting individual people in really different ways. And from a baseball, this is a baseball podcast, so we talk a lot about Orioles. Uh, and baseball. <laughs> That's what we do. It's, but, like, I was thinking about how bad I feel for people like um, Austin Hayes, right? On on a smaller scale, world scale, it's not a big deal. But for people like Austin Hayes and Hunter Harvey, too, guys who battled injury, and it looks like this was their kind of first year to have kind of a full season with the Orioles and to have it started off by not having that appearance. And, and and Jeff, to you, too, right? To have your dream come true uh, and being caught up uh, to broadcast for the bottom of the Orioles. And now to have that kind of put on hold, like that has to be kind of, from your perspective, really frustrating, right? Because this was was your dream. You got it. And now they're like, hold up, wait.
1: (laughs) You know what? It is. But the biggest thing is that there's so many more people that have been just hurt by this thing that, you know, my my frustrations are relatively, you know, insignificant uh, compared to you know, people that have lost family members from this thing, people that have family members that are working in, you know, hospitals and trying to get things cured. I mean, I I just heard that the the percentage of, you know, the the jump is like 400% in Maryland. And of course, all the terrible things that have been happening in New York, where they're asking for healthcare workers to come up and assist them. And, you know, my brother's girlfriend is actually, um, she's a dentist, and I think she'll get assigned at one of the emergency rooms And in, in new york at some point so uh it, it, it's frustrating um it, but 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 honestly it, it doesn't really it doesn't even hold a candle to any of the the really significant things that are going on right now so for the time being we'll, we'll just learn a little bit more about the orioles from the, from the comfort of our of our dens and um and and stay up to date about what what's going on and and analyzing some of the different, um, you know, things that we, we can and, and try and keep it light as opposed to, you know, a lot of people out there that are, that are dealing with things far greater and far more important right now. And, you know, we, we pray for everybody's safety during this uh, really uh, kind of unprecedented time right now with what's, with what's going on. And we just hope that, that those that are uh, healthcare workers and those that are trying to help uh, contain this thing uh, stay out of harm's way and, and we I you know, just hoping for the best for everybody.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate that perspective, Jeff. Um, if we can, and that's, that's, and it's good for, for you to keep that in perspective. And for, I think for all of us, to keep that in perspective. Um, can, can, can we go back to when you, when you got the job? I'm just, I'm, I'm curious about kind of inside information here. What, what was the kind of the process, like the interview process, um, for, for the, for getting the call up to the, to, to the major league
1: squad. So it's a little bit different than, than how it would work for, for players as, as you would imagine. And, and, you know, for, for broadcasters, and I get asked about this a lot in terms of, the, you know, does it work like it, it's single a or double a or triple a or whatever. I've talked to a bunch of different people about this. And the reality of it is that, you know, there's, there's minor league and there's major league. And, um, you know, there's not really like a, a – you, you move from class to class like the player, do. It doesn't work that way. Um, and for me, you know, what I, what I tried to do was every offseason – the offseason was really important for me just because, you know, you're, you're, you're working other positions and doing other roles and doing other jobs, and doing television and a bunch of different things just to, you know, to make ends meet, to make some money for yourself, to save some money for yourself too – but also to improve your resume and to give you some more experience. And I had a lot of really good experiences in the off season. I was a full-time employee with the keys and that was great. My boss, David Idellis was really nice to give me an opportunity to be able to do some freelance work uh, once we got into the, into the off season. And some general managers aren't necessarily as understanding as that, but as as Dave Mm -hmm. pointed out to me before, he's like, you know, if you, if you aren't doing any off season work, you're not very good. So, so he's like I, I expect you to be doing other other things and so he was really understanding and you know I, I use vacation days and personal days and other things like that to be able to, to do some of that stuff um, and also over the course of time you can build relationships with different people uh, throughout the Orioles organization from, uh, from a baseball standpoint you get to know all the managers and coordinators and uh, different, development people and, and folks on the executive staff and things like that so that's that's great um, but I would formed some, some pretty good relationships you know as well with the, the PR staff and uh, people in their leadership and just a bunch of different you know folks you know throughout the organization and everyone had been really kind and, and welcoming to me and, uh, I, I realized that they were busy and I had a, they had a job to do, but at the same time, you know, when I, when I stopped by Camden Yard, um, it, it, I'd connect with them and, and reach out and say hello. And um, the PR people were always so nice about making sure that, you know, when I was around that I was, I was welcome and, and they were really kind about that. And, uh, and then also getting to know some people with Masson, uh, I, I built relationships with a number of people on that side of things as well. And, and they were always great. It was fun to be able to, to help them out with some of the different projects they were doing last year when there was a big focus on the minor league. And so what ended up happening is they, they reached out to me the Orioles did in about November and um, we knew each other. I, I think they liked what I did previously. And there, there was, you know, they were always really kind and, um, you know, I'd hear from them from time to time. And, um, and then, you know, once we got into January, that's when things to ramp up and uh, I met with them and you know, they kind of told me some things that they were looking to do for this year and, and how I how I fit into that and um, how I was, you know, a good fit for what it was they were they were looking to, you know, to try and explore for, for this year and um, you know, from there it, it it was kind of you know, they, they kind of figured out in a short time what they wanted to do on their broadcast and I was really excited about doing it and it, it made, you know, great sense to me given what my skill set was and so it was, it was predominantly a, a radio role, but obviously we're all content creators and contribute digital content to the team. And, um, and then you might've, uh, idea yeah, I did a game on Mastin. And then I, I, was, I was supposed to do a couple of games on Mastin during spring training. Um, but uh, we, we sort of, you know, they, they kind of knew what they were looking for. And I, I, sent them samples obviously to just kind of make sure that, that I was the right fit for them. And, um, and it all ended up uh, working out. Um, you know, they they kind of told me what they wanted, and I was the, the right fit for them at the right time, and, and that's sort of just like what life is and what what any job is. It's it's being the you know the 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 right person at the right time. Um, and it was the right situation for sure. You know, I'd been with their organization for a long time, and I'd gotten to know a lot of the players, and um, the, the different people in their organization, and you know, I I also got to, to you know, know, last year some of the different people that were were within the, the you know the new group, uh, you know, was by Michael Elias. So um, it was it was a good fit overall, and, um, and spring training went great, and um, you know until until things uh, transpired the way that they did. And um, but it was a it was a process that you know it kind of you know kicked off in November, and then once we got into January, we were sort of on the runway, and, and uh, you know, a short time after that, it was. Moving to Baltimore and then going down to Sarasota, was there for uh, for about a month, you know, getting to know the team and the different people and doing some games, and um, and so it was, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. This is the
2: biggest change the Orioles broadcast team has made in a while, and uh, kind of an odd, seems like an odd time to do it on the downswing when you're not expecting to go big. But it's good that you have made all those connections because it's almost a 20-man team and it seems like you're all just split in between radio and mass in and you'll use on the internet and it's all going to be passed around. Um, is so you, are you going to be primary radio? Is that what you, you believe or is it kind of like you don't, people don't even know yet. You're just going to figure it out as things go this year.
1: No, there, there, there was a schedule and everything. And everybody kind okay. of understood what their specific role of the team was. Um, so my role is, um, I'm going to be the, the person that, you know the primary radio person i guess you would say um where i'm the, the guy that you're going to be you know the voice you're going to be familiar with hearing on a night in and night out basis and and then i'll work with a bunch of different people um, you know kevin brown will be with me a, a bunch and then i'll do a I'll, i was you know, we'll, we'll see obviously how the schedule changes with just kind of what's going on this year and, and with the coronavirus. Gotcha. But right, um, you know, with the with the schedule as, as it was, I was going to work. You know, a decent amount with Kevin, and then I worked some with Melanie Newman, and then Brett Hollander, and then I do a, a lot of games with analysts. Um, you know, I I was the you know the primary radio guy or the lead voice on a, on a lot of those broadcasts. And then, you know, Kevin would be the, you know, the lead voice on, on the games where, where he was doing and, and Kevin is terrific right. and he does a great job. And, um, but that, that's kind of how it was, was gonna, was gonna shake out and, and cool. sort of the, the plane of attack. And, and, you know, now we're, we're kind of just in a holding pattern where of course. we're kind of wait to see what happens.
2: Now, right now, you know, radio is probably the toughest because you're judged way more than TV broadcasters. People really mm-hmm. are sensitive to who's broadcasting uh, their favorite baseball team. I remember when Kevin Brown came in last year; there were lots of question marks about this guy coming in. And uh, I think people. And he happy had to make clear, clear that he
3: wasn't the pitcher. He had to clarify that he was yes, not the former pitcher. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, <laughs> are you ready to be uh, attacked, loved? Uh, either way, <laughs> yeah, it's good ways too, right? Media. You remember, remember you'll, the get, guys. you'll get praise, yeah. but you'll also get attacked. And <laughs> to make sure you're ready for that. <laughs>
0: Well,
1: that's the thing is that people find a way to attack Al Michaels people find a way to attack <laughs> uh, Doc Emmerich people yeah. find a way to attack Gary Thorne like you know Gary Thorne is somebody that he's you could say he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster in two sports like if, if you're going to find fault with those people then it should come as no surprise that you're going to find fault with me or Kevin or Melanie or anybody else like that's it's just the nature of the beast, and we all kind of understand that. But, you know, for, for what I try and do is, um, you know, I, I understand that the, the tradition of Baltimore Orioles radio broadcasts are incredibly strong. Like, Jelly Angels to me, is a Hall of Fame broadcaster, and I, I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame at some point. And then you have Chuck Thompson, who had an incredible career, and Frank Messer, and just so many of the others that had great careers. I saw Fred Manfred spring training uh, one of the first days that I was there. And it, it's, it's just an incredible group, and, and I know kind of what is expected. And, you know, my job, as I, as I tried to show during the, during the season, is, you know, make sure that it's an easy listen, that I'm not overbearing, that I keep it fun, that it's informative that you're going to be able to enjoy listening to it that we we don't bat you to death um you know I think statistics can can help out a broadcast and there and there's certain ones that you know can make it enlightening but I don't want it to be a numbers test and I don't think anybody wants that and you know it's about keeping it conversational and fun where we can tell stories and you know where I can work effectively not only with other play-by-play partners but also the analysts that I'm with that you know, my job is to, to make sure that I'm getting the absolute best of the people that, that I work with. And uh, and that's what we want it to be. We want it to be a fun, lighthearted broadcast. Like when, when I've listened to Joe and Fred, like that, that's what it was. And, um, you know, when you listen to, to Gary Thorne do, do a broadcast with Jim Palmer and
3: Yeah, it's true. I think of, it's funny you say that, right? Because when I think of Joe Angel, I do think of Joe Angel like cracking a joke and Fred Manfra g- g- giggling in the background at a joke that Joe Angel mm-hmm. just told. And that's kind of my image of Joe Angel. And when you have a game, we have a, a sport, right? That's a hundred, it's not like football, right? There's 162 games. Like it is it is a long grind. And whether you're winning or losing, um, it's a long season. So I think that that sense of humor um, that keeping it lighthearted, I think is, is even more important, right? Because cause it's a marathon, it's, it's, it's
2: not a sprint. So have you been uh, then?
1: No doubt, no doubt.
2: So have you been practicing your home run calls, coming up with a slogan that you want everyone to remember you for? <laughs> <laughs> staring in the
3: mirror, talking to yourself? <laughs> wave it bye-bye is taken, yeah. You know
1: what? Uh, yeah, well, exactly, and that's the thing, you got wave it bye-bye, and goodbye home run, and all those other ones. Yeah. You know, I, I said this in an article, uh, for when it comes to home run calls, I just say what comes out. It's like, it's, it's what comes out. And, um, you know, there was a time when, you know, coming up with a patented home run call was like a big thing. Um, but for me, it's a lot of just like, you know, spur of the moment, just stay in the moment and then you'll, you'll figure out what comes out. It was funny though. Um, I did a video on Twitter not long ago. Um, we were all trying to contribute digital content for the, for the, uh, for for the team and um, it was a Friday and I did this backyard baseball video and um, Pablo Pablo Sanchez was was up at bat and, um, and, and and so I was I did it it was a gag it was it was a Friday thing it was meant to give everybody a laugh and have fun and, and enjoy it and I think I said carumba at the very end and and I, I saw like an, a, a a friend of mine did an article and uh, they they were like they they post they embedded the, the tweet. And it was like, is his home run called really? Caramba. It's like, no, like this, this whole, the whole thing was a joke. Like it was, it was, it was supposed to be funny. Like we're not, we're not serious here. Um, it, it, but like, I think, I think that kind of is, you know, you, you understand it now just because like, like Joe Buck is doing these hilarious videos on Fox Sports, um, yeah. you know, about people doing everyday tasks. And there yeah. was, um, I think one soccer announcer in England that was doing it that were really funny and entertaining and, 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 you know, Doc Emmerich and his crew went out there. Uh, I think he was like getting his windshield wipers changed or something like that. Like, it's like, it, it. honestly, it's just like it was, it was the, the goal is just, just be funny and make you laugh. Like, that's is not, not to be taken seriously. But um, it, to answer your question, it's just like it's for the moment, and, and that's when your best stuff usually happens, anyways. Uh, anything that you plan, it's it bound for us. So um, I, I don't want to subject anybody to that. And I think
2: this will be a good year of you figuring that out so that you are ready for when Adley Rushman comes up. That's when you need your highlight calls because, uh, you know, a lot of traction was made this football year with the the Marvelous call, the Houdini call, Mr. Impossible. Mm -hmm. Those all worked really good. So you got to start thinking about Adley Rushman and the future of this team when they're good.
1: Exactly. And I think that's part of the reason why you know, when you think about why this is the time when you, you have all these folks in your broadcast team and you made the changes that you did. I think that's part of why this was a good time to do it. Um, you know, you saw the changes on the baseball operations side and then you saw some of the changes on the the business operation side. And, um, they, you know, decided to just make a, make a few adjustments on the, the broadcast side. And, um, and that's kind of what, um, Will will kind of you know carve out what 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 their different roles are, are going to be, and you know you've got some really established broadcasters, and and I think it's a terrific broadcast team. Um, and then once you once you get to the point where the Orioles are, are really competing again, and you're in a great spot, and everybody's firing on all cylinders, and, and it's going to be uh, not only fun to watch on the field, but it's going to be fun to listen to whether it's on Mass or whether. it's on the Orioles radio network or whether it's some of the other great digital content that we're going to be putting out there.
3: Yeah. And I think it's really cool that you kind of come from within the organization. So you are familiar with a lot of the players. Josh could never be an announcer for a lot of reasons, but one of them is because he would have trouble pr- pronouncing pretty much every single name. Is there, uh, <laughs> Jeff, is there from, from your end and work with the Frederick keys were there a couple names that you kind of had to go home and practice to make sure that you pronounced their names correctly? And was there one that stands out as kind of being a challenging name for you to get down?
1: You know, what? I'd have to think about it a little bit. I will say that in spring training, the name of Tampa, of the Tampa Bay Rays, um, one of the the guy one of their new uh, infielders, is also going to play some outfield for them, uh, Yoshi Tsutsugo. It mm. it ts I think it's like I think it's E S P U um, G O. It was just like a really um, it was kind of a challenging one to say like like I, I was talking to the Rays broadcasters who are terrific guys and 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 one of them was like it's like it's like Deuce studio and I was I was like okay and then like I <laughs> thought about it for a second I looked at the pronunciation I was like oh okay I was like I get I get where they were going but it took like a time or two to like figure it out. Um, and then I think more of the challenging names for me have come from the opposing teams that, that we have mm. played. Um, and, and you'll, you'll get tripped up by one every once in a while. Um, you know, the one that um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think uh, there was one, there's one guy that's with Myrtle Beach with the Cubs, um, you know, Affiliate. It it, it was a little bit of a challenging one, but uh, for the most part, um, you know, you just practice it and, and every, and and all the broadcasters in our league were really good. And, and they were pretty, you know, they spent a lot of time around the team. So if there was like an issue with the pronunciation, you were going to be able to figure it out pretty easily. And they could, you got some help as, as you were going. Um, but, um, you know, actually, I'll tell you who it was. But the one that, that kind of got me was was Pedro Araujo.
0: Yeah, uh, that was
1: that was a challenging one because the first time I thought I was like, "Is it Araujo?" and they were like, "No, it's Araujo." And I was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, what?" Hey, it, it was it was hard to sort of pronounce because you see that name so often and it's pronounced Araujo, um, but but Araujo was, and I was, I was like, "Okay," so I had to like really like watch myself as as um, as I was doing that one, but. No, like I say, maybe the, the more challenging names that I have dealt with have done when, when I when I've done basketball. That's maybe where when you get a lot of the players from from Europe and and from different places. That's maybe where I've had where the where they're the most challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, where you get names like Misharikov or something like that, yeah. where you have to really you know, think about it for a second. So I would say probably basketball is where I found the most challenging name pronunciation. But yeah. I took Spanish when I was in college and high school, and so that certainly helped with those. Um, yeah, every once in a while, you would have a player that maybe they, they if they were from Latin America, maybe they wanted to have their name Americanized, and others wanted to say it you know, a different way. Um, so... So you just you just had to figure that part of it out, and uh, they might ask you to make an alteration during the year. But um, for for the most part, um, you, you know, not too many problems knock on wood at this stage in the game. But you you never quite sure what you are going to get.
3: Well, that's and that's similar to what happened, I guess, recently with Anthony's Santander, right? Who Santander, Santander, um who I guess changed. I mean, it was always pronounced that way, right? He just. Finally, said something about it because I mean I don't know how much players like listen to what broadcasters or who other pe- how other people are pronouncing their names to even say something about it, right?
1: Well, I'll say this when I when I would because when you're in the minor leagues, you're also the, the PR person too, so you're responsible for figuring out how to say everybody's name. Hmm. And what I found is that if you ask, so do you pronounce your name this way, and then give them the pronunciation. Some guys will just say yes just because they don't want to talk about it or they kind of want to move on. Yeah. The, the best thing is if, if you see a name that you don't necessarily know, you just straight up ask them, how do you say your last name? And if you do that, then you know you're going to find out how it gets said as opposed to, to, to asking, hey, is this correct? Because if you do that, you may not get the correct pronunciation. So everybody's different like like i said you you might have somebody from latin america who wants you to say their name uh a certain a certain way or they want you to try and roll the r at and then then, but like i had a player my first year who um i asked him i was like how do you want me to say your name and wanted it americanized but i think he had a family member tell him that he didn't they didn't like it that it was said that way and i was like okay how do you want me to say your name he's Change it to say it this way. And that's how it was pronounced though, the rest of the time. But, you know, it, it kind of comes down to the player's preference. So what do you want me to do? And, um, and sometimes you go to the major, you know, player will go from the minors to the majors and I want to change. Or uh, somebody like Stevie Wilkerson, like when he started in the minors, he, he was, you know, he was called Stevie for his entire life. But he decided when he got to the minor league to, to start with Steve because he's like, it sounds more professional. And then the second year he was in Frederick, he said, "Hey, can you call me Stevie?" I was like, "I was like, really?" Because because <laughs> he's got a he's a fun personality, and I was like, he, "I was, he's like, "No," he's like, "And this is why," and he told me why. And I was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." And so now everyone, of course, knows him as Stevie Wilkerson. But there was a time where he was Steve because he thought going from you know Stevie to Steve just sounded a little bit more professional, and, and sometimes that type of thing happens too.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Britain going with the K, much more professional as opposed to the H. Exactly. <laughs> what a crazy story. <laughs> but,
2: but I can understand you're don't want you trying to be polite and don't want to correct someone, especially when you're young and coming up. I mean, I don't correct anyone at the grocery store. However they pronounce my name, I just say yes and move on. <laughs> so I totally it's understand. Easier. It's just easier to move on. Okay. Yeah, Josh, well, but they're they not announcing they're your name time. in front of 100 people 100, or hundreds but of I people. Get out but of here. I don't care about what you're saying my name is as long as I'm playing baseball. Like, I'm trying right, to and do and all the, the thing right thing too, things.
1: With, well, right. the thing is, like, when you're, like, doing everyday life, like, for me, like, I'm G-E-O-F-F. Like, you say your name is Jeff, and you don't, like, there's certain situations where you need them to put it the right way. But there are plenty of times if it's just, like, you know, you go to Chick-fil-A, and they they ask for your order, and, like, like what's the name of the order? It's like, Jeff, and they put down J-E-F-F. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, know, I'm, I know that I'm probably the only Jeff that's here right now, so... We don't need to try and distinguish this or anything, um, but as long yeah, as they say everybody my everybody approaches it differently. Exactly.
3: <laughs> All right, so Jeff with a G, you you have you have a um, a lot of experience, right, with the keys. Is there we we kind of know the big prospect names, right? Like everyone knows at this point, Grace Rodriguez and D.L. Hall and Rushman. Um, but being with the keys, mm. are, are there a couple other guys that? from watching them all year that you're excited about making their way up the farm system?
1: Right. I, I got to do Rushman in spring training. He didn't get to see him with the keys. And then Rodriguez is, is somebody that I was kind of hoping to get over minor league camp to watch him throw a little bit. But just because of what ended up happening, that, that, was, that was, that's got to be put on hold. Um, but the deal hall is uh, really good and he's got great stuff that he spots up. Incredibly tough to hit. He had some of the best pure stuff that I I probably had seen out of you know any pitcher that, that I had had covered. Hmm. Um, you know, last year was a was challenging one for the Keys. Um, there, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of you know death, unfortunately, in a number of areas. Um, you know, and just just kind of going off of last year's you know Keys team that I had. Not sort of looking into you know Dunbar or any place else because. Like a guy like Drew Rahm, I know people are really excited about him, um, but I didn't get to see Drew play. Um, You know, same thing with a guy like Adam Hall. Um, Hall, I think maybe saw a little bit of time in like a spring game or something like that, but but I didn't actually get to see Adam Hall play every day. So it's probably not the best for me to like give a scouting report on that because I would just be going off of you know stuff that I heard and just you know very limited reps that I was able to. I, mean, I keep an eye on Zach Jarrett um, you know, as long as Jarrett is, is focused on, just, you know, getting the ball in the air, um, then he is really, really tough. Uh, his, you know, the, the, the exit velocity for him, you know, just to use one of those um, you know, terms right now that people, people, you know, like things a lot, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're getting really solid contact and you're seeing a lot of, you know, big league kind of numbers. You know, right away, he's a, he's a bigger dude. He moves around pretty well. And I think for Zach, too, because of what his dad's background is, you know being a NASCAR Hall of Famer, his grandfather is also a NASCAR Hall of Famer, he understood right away what is required if you're going to be elite at what it is that you're doing and the amount of time that you have to put in because he was around that type of thing growing up. And granted, it was a different sport. But, you know, people look at, you know, different examples all the time about what is required if you want to, to be really good at this. And I think those experiences are certainly going to help out Zach um, as he moves through the system. But, you know, he had an all-star caliber year. It was really great to watch. I, I think Cody Sedlak had the, the kind of year that he was hoping for. And it was encouraging to, to see how he performed after he had two years of struggles and, A lot of guys would would get frustrated and maybe just not approach it the right way, but he stayed tough. He stayed committed to what it is that he was doing, and uh, with some of the the things that they were telling him to do and showing him on what pitches that he had worked the best, um, he was the the one guy that, uh, when he went out there every day, he was consistently good since the, the start of the year, and you really can't say that. About anybody else that he's had on their pitching staff last year, so uh, mm-hmm. so that was that was encouraging to see. And um, you know, one one player I would say to watch out for, um, and, and he's not going to show up on any prospect list, but he had sort of a unique arsenal. He doesn't have a lot of innings pitched in professional baseball, and he's still very much learning. But there's a lot of potential there, and uh, there's some deception in his delivery. Like Tim not um, there, there were times where he battled walks and where he made some mistakes, but uh, he did spend a little bit of time at Double A. he had a couple of days up there in, in June, and the stuff is there. I mean, he knows how to pitch um, with, with kind of what he has at his, his, at his disposal. And, um, his slider made great games. He was really working on his changeup last year. He has kind of a, a shorter arm delivery, and his arm action is a little huge, so it's hard to pick up. And you know, We all know how deception is a really big part of pitching. So Tim was somebody that, that stood out to me last year for, for what he was capable of doing. He has great stuff, um, but it'll just be a, a situation where the, the more innings that he gets, the more time that he has, um, the, the more that, that he'll continue to improve, and, and at some point hopefully the Orioles will – they will be able to, to to kind of see what he can do for them going forward. But I thought he was a really under the radar guy last year that um, that played well, and then I'm excited to see how he takes his next step forward this year.
3: Yeah, those are a couple of good names to remember. I had forgotten, or I didn't know the the Dal Jarrett Zach Jarrett connection. So that that that's cool. Um, I was just thinking about it. it's a little bit unfortunate for you actually, Jeff, because um, Adley Rushman, Grayson Rodriguez, I assume a- Adam Hall probably are all guys this year that are going to be making the jump to the Frederick Keys? So this should be actually a really exciting season for the Keys, right, with all these young prospects from the Shorebirds move, moving up?
1: It should be. And one thing that I tell people is that the jump from Delmarva to the Carolina League, I can't tell you how many times I have heard people say, well, they're going to just breeze right through Frederick and then we'll see him in buoy by the all-star break. And then it never works out that way. Some, some people it does. Um, you know, you'll, you'll get somebody like last year, it was Mason McCoy. The year before that, it was Ryan McKenna where they, they, they just, they take off from the the start of the year. And then before the year before that, it was Boston Hayes. And and people will, you know, typically say that, Oh, well, like they're going to move here from here from here. And like, and I, and I always am like, I don't know. We'll see. Let's, wait and see how this goes because if you're a pitcher and you're in the south atlantic League, you're going to get guys to chase pitches out of the zone the hitters aren't as disciplined and they're not as good and then you get to the carolina league where you have players who are better you have players that have spent time at double a sometimes at triple a and you just have more experienced um guys out there and you have just better pitching and it's not as easy of a transition as you think. I had I remember we had a team picnic last year and I had one pitcher who had spent time at AAA say to us as we were all kind of talking about it, if you can conquer the Carolina League, then you're in really good shape when you go to Bowie. And if mm-hmm. you pitch really well in Bowie, then you have a chance to, you know, play in the play in the major leagues. And the same thing is true from an offensive standpoint. Like if you can you can figure yep. out the Carolina league and you can go to Boo and you can put up good numbers there, then suddenly you know, you're looking a lot more attractive to getting the play for the Orioles or another major league team at some point. And so, but but it doesn't necessarily mean that first you know month is going to be too good. I mean, D.L. Hall had his struggles there last year. You know, Cody Sedlock had injury problems and other struggles when he arrived there. Keegan Aiken's first start with the keys, I think went two thirds of an inning. Um, and you, you saw plenty of other examples. Like Jimmy Acabona made it to the major League with the with the Keys and his first outing was one of maybe the worst first outings I've ever seen. Hmm. And Aaron Brooks, who some of you might remember with the with his time with the Orioles, I saw hmm. him when he was with the Royals organization, and his first start was an absolute disaster. It was terrible. Hmm. But all those guys pitched in the big leagues, and and so when when people get frustrated over, oh, this guy, you know, when they check their mileage box, first back there, they're following, you know, nightly, they're like, this guy's never going to make it, this guy this, this guy that. I'm like, guys, I've seen tons of people that have just not been great for two or three months, and they figure it out. It's just it's that much more difficult when you make the jump up to the Carolina League. So, um, hmm. on paper, I think it looks like a really good group, and it's a really talented group, but at the same time, that's a group that will face its challenges when they get to NIMEO field and they're facing, you know, some really good talent. And and then also adding some different, you know, farm systems that are really good, such as the Astros, for instance. Um, You can say what you want about them, but um, but at the same time, um, at the same time, they have a great farm system and an established way of doing things. And, and sometimes when you play a team like that, you're going to see 30% fastballs in a game. And you really haven't seen that very much before. And when they, they throw those pitches, they're going to throw them for strikes and and they're going to, you know, they're going to walk some meters but they're also going to throw you 96 on our fastballs and you're going to have to hit them after you, you see breaking ball, breaking ball changeup or something like that. So uh, that's just part of how it works and, and how the process sort of goes and um, those players will be tested, and, and they might have some ups and downs. What I would say to Orioles fans is uh, when you see, you know, Rutschman, you know, maybe not get off to the start in April that you want, or maybe Adam Hall or someone like that, or, or Grayson Rodriguez or Jerome has a start that you're like, well, that isn't all that good. Like, just be patient. It, it takes a little bit of time to get adjusted. But you would rather go through those struggles and have to make those adjustments in the Carolina League as opposed to trying to do it at Camden Yards.
3: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, and Jeff Arnold, we appreciate you spending so much time with us. Um, I'll 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 end the interview on this. One more question: Is there? I'm assuming we have a minor league season this year. I really hope we do. Um, Is there? And you know the system as well as anybody. What's which team do you think is like? If you had to go and watch a team as as an Orioles fan to see kind of the best players, which minor league team do you think is the is the team to watch?
1: I would say it's probably no doubt it's Frederick, and that's just because Delmarva the, the year before had the best record of the minors and you know, won over 90 games. And so to me, if, if I had to pick a place to go, it would certainly be Frederick this year because I have to, uh, to imagine that most of those players from that team last year would, would probably um, probably go to the keys if you, you sort of you know, look at the level-by-level nature that the Orioles are employing with their minor league systems right now. All
3: right, you're just biased in saying Frederick. Okay, I got you, Jeff.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, hey, you know what, like, you're you're kind of hoping that we're going to, we're all hoping we're going to have baseball, we're all hoping there's going to be a major league season, we're all hoping there's going to be a minor league season, and um, and it, it's going to be exciting to see uh, not only what um, some of those, those players are going to do in Frederick, but, you know, across the, the different minors, and you know, who's going to, you know, jump out and is going to put together a big, you know, 2020 season.
3: Yeah, Absolutely. We all can't wait. And uh, Jeff Arnold, thanks for joining us. We we wish you the the best of luck when the season starts. Um congratulations. Yeah, congratulations again. once yeah. again. Very cool.
1: Really appreciate it, guys. It's uh, it's good to, good to be with you and uh I'm sure you guys stay safe over there. All all right, absolutely.
3: You too. you too. Stay safe. All right. thank you.
1: Another exciting game of backyard baseball taking place. The Yellow Giants have a two-nothing lead and Pablo Sanchez coming up to the plate against Amir Khan, the jump baller. Khan looking in. First pitch on the way. That misses high. One ball and no strikes to Pablo Sanchez, who can pitch. He can play shortstop. He can do a little bit of everything. And for a small guy, he's got some power. The next pitch is home. And there's a swing and a deep fly ball out to left field. It's going, going, and it's gone over the barrier for a home run. Pablo Sanchez makes it three to nothing yellow giants. Carumba. All
2: right, Matt. Well, that was cool. What's it like to know that your son, Silas, is going to grow up listening to Jeff Arnold uh, with the radio, falling asleep to Orioles games and his voice every night? Like we did as kids. Yeah. I mean, when I I think of Orioles growing
3: up, like I do think of players like Cal Ripken and Randy Mulligan and Mickey Tettleton, but I also think of John Miller. Like that's he is as much a part of the Orioles in my childhood as any player. Um, And so. I think of Mike Messina and I think of John Miller. Like they, I, they're on the same page for me, as far as what I associate my childhood and Orioles baseball. And so yeah, is um, for Silas. It's going to be Jeff Miller and Kevin Brown and seventeen other guys. So
2: it's, <laughs> right. it is. It's not just yeah. going to be one. It is. It is weird uh, because you're right. We drew, grew up with John Miller, fell asleep to his voice, snuck little radios into school to listen to Orioles because. They had a pretty good team sit back in the nineties that it was worth doing that for, so yeah it's cool that uh it's cool that we'll be able to listen to Jeff yeah, and I'm
3: still man I'm still a you know this, I'm a radio guy, there's nothing I enjoy more than kind of working outside and putting the game on the radio like that's my thing, and so i I still love and then like I love the ten o'clock starts when I can just fall asleep um even now as a grown man fall asleep to 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 the radio um Dora's games, and so, and I think Jeff Jeff Arnold, uh, being honest, he has a good fall asleep to voice. I don't that's I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that's a compliment. He has a very nice voice that's kind of soothing, um, that I could fall asleep to.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking. You know, we've got all this time without Orioles baseball. Maybe I can just call him at night. Yeah, and he can do some calls, do some practice calls as I fall asleep.
3: Yeah, pretend Chris Davis is up. uh, Bases loaded, one on one count in the ninth. (laughs) and a strikeout yeah i'll be be obviously so it's a home run i'll be asleep with two strikeouts so i won't even know what happens i'll I'll be asleep with two strikeouts Wait, by two strikes
2: yeah you you mentioned during our conversation with jeff that you felt bad for like young guys getting their getting uh getting a chance jeff arnold getting a chance yeah Yeah, you feel a little bad for chris davis who was actually starting to hit the ball yeah and now it's going to start all over again after this is can he hit the ball
3: Yeah, I was thinking about this, like who does this delay and maybe cancellation, we can I don't know. But who does this delay on the Orioles hurt the most? Chris Davis, number one.
2: (laughs) It kinda I feel like that, right? It kinda does because he was doing he was hitting the ball like who knows where he's gonna be at. But does it or does it not? Because we kinda talked about like, all right, will he last the whole year? If the year shortened, he'll last the whole year. Yeah, I mean it's
3: true. He's gonna be pumping some iron. You know you know he's he's a workout. King, he's going to be pumping some iron every day during this.
2: Uh, well, I saw, cool I saw some sports made, uh, made rules that during, the, during all of this coronavirus stuff that players are allowed to use marijuana. Or then they're not going to test for marijuana during all of this. I, don't, I think it was like the NBA or NFL, one of them that passed this rule. Or, so I'm know. thinking maybe during, the, during this lockdown stuff, Chris Davis can go back on the Adderall
3: yeah and get enough adderall in his, in his system to last the rest of the season i don't know how adderall
2: works yeah can you take enough now either. for it to, to it to last I, the rest of the season i don't know how it works either but i thought i used to know how hand-eye coordination worked and apparently now watching chris davis it, you can go to the gym and work out and that improves your hand-eye coordination so yeah. i don't understand anything he
3: screwed sabermetrics chris davis yeah, he makes me question everything about: Is Michael Elias the right guy? Does saber sabermetrics really a thing that we should be adopting? Maybe we should tell all, all our minor leaguers just to hit the weight room more. Like is that right. have we missed this right. whole thing? Let Chris like, Davis run an organization, and, and, and maybe they win the World
2: Series every year, and they're all just work out all uh, the time. That'd be fun if if we had a, if Chris Davis if suddenly Chris Davis was the way you build a team. Who I guess you'd bring back Brady Anderson.
3: Oh yeah, uh, for, for diet nutrition. Absolutely. Right. Bring
2: back, bring back Mickey Tettleton. Jay Gibbons, (laughs) Jay Jay, Gibbons Gibbons in there, yeah. All any guy who was on steroids that insisted he was not on steroids, you bring them all back.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Or uh, any guy who has arms that look like they're on steroids, I'll take any of that. Bring back Sammy Sosa. Right. In fact, Rock. Sorry, you can't write about the Orioles anymore. You got to be working for the Orioles now. Yeah. To be helping Chris Davis out. uh, Yeah. Maybe Rock can hit home runs. Who knows? It's why is there no photo yet of Rock's arms and Chris Davis's arms? Like, flexing together. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. Josh. Make, make, that don't know. make that happen. Make that happen. Seems like It seems like a little work, especially now when we're all locked down in our homes.
3: Yeah. Who else do you think the uh, – who else in the It hurts Chris Davis because he was hot. Who else do you – like, I think about, like, certainly guys making their MLB debut. Like, Austin Hayes, especially coming out, all those injuries, finally healthy. Um, and guys like Hunter Harvey, I guess. I don't know. But maybe it hurts it, older guys more. I don't know.
2: Does it I, does it help the Orioles timeline? Like wow.
3: I think it hurts other teams more. Hurt? Right. Like you heard the scenario, if there's no baseball this year, the Dodgers traded for Mookie Betts and he still becomes a free agent. <laughs> right. So they don't because <laughs> right. their players are still getting their arbitration year and yes. even if that means in the free agency, the Orioles aren't really affected but I mean I guess Givens and Mancini, but they're not really they don't have a lot of arbitration guys
2: to begin with. So it affects them less. So I think in that way it helps ours a little bit, and it helps guys like you know what it helps Josh Rogers who had Tommy John at the end of last season, and I think there was someone else in our camp that had Tommy John as well. I always get confused.
3: So, Evan Phillips and Col and, and Cody Carroll. I get those two guys confused. Maybe one of those guys. Oh, Zach so. Pop was the other guy who had uh, Zach Pop. Yeah. yeah, had arm injuries last year, and like right. um and um DJ Stewart was coming off. Um, an injury, and so he he could be yeah. fully healthy. And Trey Mancini, of course, uh, possibly could help. That right, extra maybe. time off could yeah. help him.
2: Yep. Um, so, yeah. Maybe the, the Orioles might be, in all of baseball, the team that it helps the most. Yeah.
3: I also was thinking if, like – but the weird draft stuff. I don't know. If, is this official that there's just going to be, like, five rounds of dra- of drafting? Is that, like, an
2: official thing? or? Uh, that's what I was reading, yeah. I don't know. Like,
3: that's, be, well, that seems like it'll hurt the Orioles.
2: Right? Yeah, well, it's – it's weird because of how, like, I guess college eligibility is going to give players another year and stuff. And then I heard, so. like, making the other guys free agents,
3: but that seems, like, highly questionable, right? Because then... Right, because then they, they'll all go
2: to the Yankees. That seems to be or, the point.
3: Or baseball will make, like, you can only sign them for $20,000, and so they are all miss out on their signing bonuses, and they'll all be poor. Um, so either scenario is is weird. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered um, but right. like, if the oral season is shortened, I think that's an advantage for the Orioles. The less games they play, the better they have a chance to win. I mean, um, a short series. I mean, they could beat uh, they could beat three Cy Young winners. They could beat Scherzer, Verlander, and Price in a short series. So right. the, the the shorter the season, I think that the better for the Orioles. What do you think about this talk about extending the season to, like November, December, and like
2: playing? <laughs> Scott- the World Series in in Florida, on Arizona. Christmas. Yeah. Scott Boris said the World Series will end on Christmas. Yeah, and like which a, for one, you can't predict when a World Series will end because it could be five games, it could be seven games. And like so don't you know don't know you when the season will
3: start. Like, how can you predict when
2: the season will end when you don't know when it's going to start? Well, well, I think he had it start in July first. Okay, I think is what he did. He had okay. to pick a start date in order to do that math. Okay, um, but that's not going to really ho- work. It's, ho- it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. I if the Orioles want to come play down here and play in games in Florida, and and you know what, there's a nice some nice stadiums in Jacksonville and in Daytona. I would love to have the Orioles come play it. If what they want about Ed Smith? I'll go over and I'll check out some games. What about the
3: Super Bowl is hold, held in a neutral location with nice weather? Yeah. What about yeah. that for the World Series?
2: It doesn't work. The Super Bowl is held at a neutral location because it's one game. Baseball, seven games. The beauty of it is. Baseball, way more than football, I think, you have a home field advantage. Football, you do have the differences. Especially if there's cameras of, and of, trash cans involved. Right, right. Football, you have the difference of field quality. And that's it. It's, it's all the same. Baseball, you've got different size fences, different heights of fence, different lengths of fence. You've got so many differences. That different that foul territory. Right, exactly. big hills that, in center field. Oh no, it's not that anymore. No, that's gone. Yeah, I, I wish they brought that back. Remember, they used it used to be a flagpole right in yes. the middle of that hill. I want. I love that. I do too. I bring it all back. I want
3: more obstacles for outfielders.
2: Right, um, but they, you add all that on. Plus, you add a crazy uh, baseball uh, stadium packed for your fans. Baseball is the biggest home field advantage in sports. Yeah, it's as like a viewer too. That's part of what makes playoff baseball
3: cool, right? Is to see those stadiums packed and loud. Like, that's part of the appeal of playoff baseball. Um, not not a bunch of corporate whatever. Like, if I was an Orioles season ticket holder, and this year they went to the World Series, and it was held in Florida, I would be furious. I would be furious. Yes. But well, no, I don't I care, care because... But Orioles, you would travel.
2: Yeah. You would go. Well... But suddenly there is no home field. Yeah. So you're going to have it like the It'd super be 50, 50, bowl 50 or where it's 50-50 or 30-30 really 25 40. 25 nobody that cares
3: yeah exactly marlin man
2: <laughs> right exactly a bunch of marlin men yeah uh so yeah i don't see baseball doing that i see them doing a shortened season over any of that how many um, games i think i think 81 i think you just Whoa, cut it straight in half 81 that's yeah. i've never heard anyone say that low of a number. I know everyone's everyone's talking about the number 100 and I don't know. I've heard uh, people it, say like 140. I haven't done the math. I guess now that now if you say, all right, we start playing in June, let's say June 1st. Cause let's say if now we're supposed to be on, uh, use all these rules until the April 30th. So then that gives a month. You give the baseball teams a month to get ready. You're looking at June 1st. And, I mean, I don't know. I don't Maybe know. If you, you watch the news, add some it's, double headers, get rid of some blank days. Um, the news is crazy. It but changes every day. I don't know. If you watch the news, knows.
3: it feels like June 1st is a pipe dream at this point, right? Like, I think July 1st, maybe. I don't know. I mean, on the one no. hand, you have people talking about 140 games. On the other hand, you have people talking about no season at all. Or And, right. like, you had Kirk Herbstreit come out and say, football, there might be no football season this year. Like, what? Yeah, I saw that,
2: too. And nobody knows. And yeah, that's the thing. No I, t- I tell people this at work. I tell people all the time because we're still working, Florida. But we're also an essential company. And people are asking me, because I'm management, they're just asking me stuff all the time. And I keep telling them, you got to have patience with us, because I've never gone through this before. The owner of the company has never gone through this before. The news media has never gone through this before. The president's never gone through this before. Baseball's never gone through this before. No one knows what we're doing. We're all winging it. We're all guessing. We'll get there when we get there. It's the same with education. I mean, we're now, and I just started
3: this week, today actually online teaching but it's not really online teaching because nothing is set up or designed for us to teach online like we're just all kind of making it up as we go and so there's no right. it's not and they, they gave us like a two days to prepare to transition everything to online but it's not right and people have different access to online it's just it's a whole mess because nothing is right and nothing is normal so we're all just trying yeah. to make the best of it and it's
2: why every day when you are watch the news, it's different because no one really knows. Yeah. You can't model this because no one knows. Yeah. It's all fake. And then I went to, and then uh, yeah. last night, there's a
3: big old party happening right behind my house with these country boys. Hi, if you're listening. And then, oh, they must be from Florida. No, no, these are Eastern Shore country boys. <laughs> they, right. I got gotcha. uh, you. But they were having a good old time last night in their little shed, um, or their, their barn. My-
2: my neighbors do not social distance. Yeah, and neither do. Well, I have one neighbor There's who do. There's
3: parties every night. And we're nice. And the other neighbors um, do, do not uh, follow the social distance. And then I went to Lowe's today. You know, I don't know. I, yeah. Speaking of social distancing,
2: you went shopping.
3: Well, I, listen, I'm trying to get my garden ready. Um, and if they're going to shut down, I don't know if Lowe's is in danger of ever shutting down. No, I, I, I need to get all my tomato plants.
2: Oh, yeah. I don't know if they fall under essential. I think they do. But you know what bugs me about essential? That freaking liquor stores uh, and freaking bakeries are essential. What? No, go ahead. No, that Walmart and Target are essential because they sell groceries, but they leave the entire store open. Uh, so like if you go to Walmart hole. for groceries, you'll see people in there like shopping in like for TVs and in the toy section and clothes. And I'm like, what's going on? Just They should rope off the whole thing that's not groceries. Well, I was talking to my neighbor here. I don't want to
3: put people's business out there but the local car wash here in Ken Island is still open and they say they're essential. And because my, uh, my neighbor's son works for the car wash. Why are they, and why they're are they essential because, and this is what the car wash says. And, and they tried to shut them down and they're suing to say that they're essential because they clean the cars of first responders. And so because uh, okay, they clean the car little. first responders they are saying that they're essential. And so there's this fight going on, but they're still open yeah. car wash here in Ken Island. So like w- the whole question about what's essential and what's not essential it, to me
2: is just kind of fascinating. You know, I wrote a document today Congratulations! It's titled Critical Infrastructure Authorization to Work and Travel. And, I, and it's got my signature on here and all, a nice document that all my employees now need to carry in their car. Uh, can you give me one because, of these, too, so I can drive around? Right, because they are essential. So mm-hmm. this, way, this way, if anyone stops them, they show the uh, law enforcement officer. This letter, and then the law enforcement officer can call me, and I can tell them that <laughs> already we're essential. I, I that's cool, Josh. And you just type that up yourself. Congratulations,
3: because anyone can do that. I bet if I you go saw, to your neighbor's house and throw in the party, they all have paperwork saying they're essential. This is an essential right. party that they're having.
2: Well, I have to say why we're essential. It's in. It does say that in the letter. But mm-hmm. I looked up. I was like, all right, there's got to be like a government letter I need to download. And I talked to some other companies and all, and they're like, no, you just type up your own. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, put it I got some letterhead and you're good to go. Yeah. I, put, I copied someone else's, put it on letterhead, put a nice signature at the bottom and my phone number, and we're good to go, apparently. But yeah, yeah I think you can make a Someone uh, on Twitter today was asking, like, how do I get one of them for my work? And I messaged him. I said, yeah, you just make your own. It's really simple. It's funny. Yeah. Well, now, if, now, if that's abuse, if that's people are abusing that, they'll find, they'll track you down and find out.
3: Well, yeah, I think it, it's, and I don't know how it's over there, but I listened to the news today and I guess it's, police officer discretion with a lot of this stuff which sounds i don't know very questionable but i guess if you get a paper like that it becomes discretionary to that yeah. police officer if they want to pursue it or not
2: um, yeah until we get to martial law right yeah we're not there and yet. oh oh last night i couldn't sleep okay and last night i went into a deep dive of conspiracy theories oh. because one i live in florida get out your tinfoil hat. yeah and and i so it's it all started because trump this weekend, I think it was Sunday was given a speech and he was talking about 151 countries and how he was talking to someone and this person didn't know that there were 151, <laughs> but the way he misspoke or something and the way he phrased the question, I was looking for the video to play it back for you before the show, but I couldn't find it because what he said is he said, I was talking to someone not of this world and he couldn't believe we had 151 countries. So because of that, you know, all these weird alien people mm. are going off on, oh, Trump slipped up. He said, not of this world. <laughs> and uh, and it reminded me of Coast to Coast and how you and I both used to listen to Coast to Coast and, and fall asleep to it. And we like uh, George Norrie and all that. I don't like
3: George Norrie. I loved
2: Art Bell. No, you like Art Bell. Art, Art, George, George Norrie is a hack. <laughs> all right, George That's Norrie. why I don't He's listen anymore. Yeah. Art Bell. Yeah. So I, I said, you know what? People in Florida are crazy. Let me see what the internet has to do with some of these conspiracies. Have you gone down this path yet? Josh, I have not gone down
3: the coronavirus uh, of, conspiracy a, you know, it's path. It's so much fun. Okay. It, was,
2: it was so much fun. You're,
3: you're telling me, I just watched uh, the Tiger King. I understand that there's crazy people in this world. I get it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, someone asked me how you explain the Tiger King. I said, well, there's drugs involved. And that's the only way any of it makes sense.
3: But but real quick, Josh, before we get to Tiger King... Um, you you can laugh at those conspiracies theories and you will, and then all of a sudden you'll you'll listen to Alex Jones on Joe Rogan yes. and you'll be like, oh my gosh, it's all true.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yes. I would like these guys to go on Joe Rogan because yeah, I end up believing whoever's on Joe Rogan.
3: Yeah, it sounds about right.
2: Um, all right. So this here's here's the conspiracy theory that's going around. Okay. This Q. It's all around this Q Anon guy. It was like uh, the guy, like Pizzagate Gate and all that, like anti-Hillary stuff, and you know the, the, the uh, state government that's that's behind the scenes running all this stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. The deep so state.
2: all right, yeah, the deep state. So apparently, the coronavirus is all part of the storm, which is the undercover operative to take down the deep state. So all of this lockdowns and stuff is preparing for the for this deep state takedown. So. Somewhere between April 1st and April 10th for either three to 10 days, they're not sure yet, You are, we are going to get shut down and lose all internet, all cell phones, all communication. And during this time is when they are going in and arresting everyone connected to the deep state, from Tom Hanks to Oprah to Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton and arresting all these people. Then when the three days is over... For 24 hours, it was a very detailed uh, yeah, conspiracy theory. And lots of people who were writing about it. For 24 hours after that, or do- there's two theories. One is right after that. One is the entire time that there's a media blackout and a communication blackout. The only thing that will be playing on all TVs, on the internet, on your phones, the only thing that you'll be able to watch is an eight-hour documentary that is about the deep state and showing all the evidence, and all the connections, and what these guys have been doing for all this time. And the reason the Aren't internet- i a like 100 down, YouTube videos about that already. Right, so that's probably where they're getting the eight hours. And it's it's stuff that's so wild, and so specific, and confessions, and all this stuff that you'll have no option but to believe it, and understand it, and for everyone to believe it. And the three hour shutdown of the internet is so that they can reboot the internet to without all of the, uh, back channels and hacks that the deep state is running so that the deep, because the deep state can watch you through your cell phone and th- listening to your Alexa. So they got to take, they already interrupted this clear. podcast a couple of times. Right, exactly. So they got to take three days to clear all of that off your system. And the it be finally by good Friday, we will have our own resurrection of a world where we will reboot and be a new world without the deep state. Oh, that's why Trump and said Donald, Easter. And Donald Trump yeah, is our savior, and that's why Donald Trump is talking about Easter yeah. because he knows all this is happening beforehand.
3: Yeah, so. well, if that is if that's what it takes to bring back Orioles baseball, fine, sign me up. Exactly, they, I'm if, all good. If Orioles baseball comes oh. back by the end of April, whatever, deep right. state, uh, you know, Trump, whatever, I'll yeah. take it for Orioles baseball.
2: What I but what I liked about this conspiracy is they were very clear about. Three days from April 1st to April 2nd, which means, and when this doesn't happen in two weeks, we will know it's all false.
3: Yeah, they'll say April Fool's.
2: But I want to give all of our listeners a warning because you won't be notified about it, but if we don't have any internet and can't do the podcast next week, this is why. Yes. If you it's don't hear state. us on
3: Monday, this is exactly why,
2: because Josh all is right. part of the
3: deep state the whole time.
2: <laughs> exactly. No, no, it's not because I'm the deep state. It's because our communication is shut down. Oh yeah, for three days, yeah. And I, yeah, and I went down this rabbit trail, uh, and just wanted to make sure to warn all, all of our all of our listeners that we will be uh, silent, and we'll all just be sitting in our homes watching this eight-hour documentary, and and, about, uh, and the document- Epstein and Hillary and uh,
3: pizza. And you saw the doc? You said the documentary is called The Tiger King. Is that was that the name of the documentary? <laughs> the
2: Tiger right. King. No, that was the. But it might as well have been. That's the documentary that shut down the internet, yeah. Uh, for the past week, two weeks. So didn't we talk about Tiger King last week? No, did I did not watch I, it. I just, yet?
3: I just watched it, uh, just two, two, two okay. days ago. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You don't want to talk about Tiger King, do you? No, I thought it was terrible. That's all I'll say about it. I, I, thought, know, I, I thought that's because.
2: That's because you get depressed by a watching a movie about just. No good people in it at all.
3: Yes, I do. And I think it's I think it's and and people are just making fun of them and they don't know that they're being made fun of. And they're all they're all just
2: evil people, all of them. All right, what how did he get nineteen percent of the governor vote? I don't know. How did nineteen percent of the people in the state vote for Joe Exotic? How did how did
3: Trump win the presidency? I guess name recognition? Here here's the one question I have about the show. Here's the one question I have about the show.
2: Because Yes, I, Carol killed her husband.
3: Yeah, fine, I think Carol is evil and treats her animals terribly. I think- Oh, I think they all do. I think they're
2: all the same. Yeah, well, I think Carol probably treats the animals the worst. Have you seen the weird thing going around the internet about how the tiger from like Doc Antler was in a Britney Spears music video, and then like at the VMAs, Britney Spears is sitting next to Carol? oh no i didn't see that in like the 90s it was weird doc antler is a cult leader like that's
3: that's what you call a cult leader that's him. yeah
2: doc antler is the one that has forces all the girls to, to yeah it's a cult
3: stay there yeah and that's they a can't cult. leave that's a cult right um yeah but oh my, my 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 one question well first of all why do why are people entertained by this that's a whole nother thing that makes me depressed but
2: my, because it's the perfect show for the coronavirus when you just don't want to deal with real life when you like and you're stuck because you feel better you about your own
3: life by watching these idiots r- run it run around these evil not just idiots that's not just that they're dumb they're like oh no, they like hurt everyone around them
2: i don't know it seems like they bring a lot of joy i mean lots of people died and there were lots of drug use and people and lost limbs that are...
3: and people taken yeah. advantage of and people end yeah. up in prison and yeah just everyone's terrible
2: they're all, they're all smiling they're all happy yeah I mean, the one that lost his limb, like, would go back in a, in a second and work there.
3: Yeah, I liked her, and I liked the guy with no legs.
2: Everyone, I, I liked everyone I liked else. The is guy, terrible. I liked the campaign manager because he was like the normal one that was thrown into this. He was a guy working <laughs> at Walmart. <laughs> right. He was like any of us if we just showed up like went and applied for a job and then started learning all this craziness.
3: Yeah, but he like hung on too. And then but he even he he, he saw he saw the the suicide of that boy and then that's when it was too much for oh, me. Spoiler alert. When when Joe had the funeral <laughs> That was that was like <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. That was like a Scott's when, tots. Like that was, that's too much for me. It's too embarrassing. I can't believe this. When the is,
2: boy's mom is just sitting I
3: there. I couldn't even watch. I had to leave the room. Um, and then the wedding later, I had to leave the room at that too. When he was she invited yeah. to the wedding. I had to leave the I yeah. can't even handle that. It's just
2: so terrible. I know. You don't like the cringeworthiness. I can't watch Scott's Tots, but this entertained me. Yeah. Well Scott's tots even isn't real. This is real. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's but true. my
3: question was how do these people have so much money? Every time they do like they drive in nice cars and all these interviews. Well, Where does uh, this money come from?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Because it's not from selling tigers because they were only getting like 5000 a tiger. And 2, they drain a, all their money on lawyers and stuff, right? Yeah, I don't know. And, but all right, did you know that it only cost $5,000 to hire someone to kill someone? Yeah, that's that's part of the reason why you know that story is bogus. You, right. you don't believe that
3: story at all. That Joe no, was not no, behind he, that at all. No, Joe got framed. Yeah. But Joe deserves went,
2: to be in prison for other reasons, but he got framed for that oh, one. I guarantee, I'm sure Joe went and shot his tigers and and, and buried them because yeah. what else do you do when they get that big? Or You got to no, no, I believe that they were sick. That they were sick too. And so yeah, you can Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, I believe that
3: they were sick. I do believe that. Yeah. But uh
2: but yeah, he,
3: he didn't But hire he that deserves guy for to go to prison $5, for he cuz he definitely burned down his building. He deserved to go to prison for that.
2: Yes, he bur- All right. All right, when the guy when, when the guy is it? When the guy gets his arm? If you haven't watched torn, Tiger
3: King, you should just skip for the next five minutes. I should have yeah. told you that five minutes ago.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I got questions too. Um, My own question was about the money. How would they get that right. money to buy those nice cars? But you're right. Yeah, Joe burned down his own building. But when he also like th- all the threats to Carol, he's you should get in trouble for shooting a dummy at Carol. Yeah, you should get you in know, trouble for some of that stuff. You know, he didn't write or sing those songs. He hired a band to write and sing those songs, and then he just lip-sank over them. Oh, I didn't know he lip synced I assumed he didn't <laughs> yeah. write them. That doesn't sound like him right.
3: writing them. Um, but that doesn't surprise but, me at uh, all.
2: Yeah. No, all right. I don't remember if it's when the person got his arm torn off or if it was when the husband shot himself. But at what point were the paramedics called and suddenly Joe's there in a paramedic jacket? Like he had his own... Oh, I, Did You notice that? No, I didn't notice that. I oh yeah, yeah. That. he comes to me. Like there's, an, there's, like there's, like it's like, call for help, call the paramedics, and then you go to Joe, and he's like suddenly on site in a paramedic like jacket with his name on it and all. Mm. So, I don't know. Weird show. It just, you know what? It's just a weird time in life when you're like watching like all these like. Hospital tends to be set up in Central Park on the real news and stuff. You need something like Joe Exotic to just turn your brain off. I guess maybe. I, I find it, de- try to make I find sense it to kind of depressing, world.
3: but I, I, I guess it's, it's certainly like gives something people no. Gives they people all loved something each other.
2: Yeah, don't you wish you had two husbands that were not gay, but for some reason pretended
3: <laughs> oh to be gay to marry you for drugs and guns? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do for drugs yeah. and guns? I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't think we'll answer that question. Yeah.
3: Tiger though no, I was also really surprised like the most interesting part when they said at the end that there was only like 4000 tigers in the wild but like 5000 captivity I didn't know there was only 4000 tigers in the wild that kind of blew blew my yeah, mind Yeah that there's more in captivity in America than in wild which I'm 5000 yeah, in captivity doesn't surprise me but the 4, 000 right. is all that they have in the wild is
2: I found Well wild. I mean if you think about it, they're only in a certain part of the world in the wild sure so still. I think that limits it, it Was zoos um, too right you know there's one of these sketchy zoo places like down the street from me. I haven't seen it yet. It's like down another street but I wake up when Mandy and I walk in the morning or at night we can hear the lions roar. Oh really? Yeah. So now I want to go check it out after apparently they charge a bunch to go there. Well you but even, I wa- they
3: mentioned like a couple hundred bucks even at the other place at the whatever at Doc's place. It was like 250 uh, or something. Yeah.
2: yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's why it's only guys like Shaq go in there. Yeah. But yeah it's weird.
3: It's weird. I once was uh, driving cross country and our car broke down right outside the home of the world's largest head, um, uh, pra- 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 prairie dog is where our car broke down. Well, I don't know. The, the store was closed, so we hopped the fence and we saw like some, some cows with five legs, but and we saw prairie dogs running around everywhere and we saw this big kind of house that looked like it could house a. A huge prairie dog but we never (laughs) never came out don't have a house wow this had like a little i know they're underground but they had this one had a little kind of uh encasement that looked like it held what what do you think it's uh uh groundhog's day but they
2: pull them out of a little house i
3: don't know but that's the thing about the prairie dogs they were all running around outside the fence because you can't contain those things because they you know dig a little holes and dig out of it
2: so they were running around the outside of the park and then going back in the park Well, then they're stupid if they keep going back in the fence when they get out of the fence. I'm sure you can. You can definitely contain a prairie dog. They contain. I've seen prairie dogs at the zoo. You contain them by doing a, you do a nice concrete aquarium and then you fill it up with dirt. All right. But, but the, so they'll dig all the way to the left, hit concrete and dig another where. <laughs> it's like a big, it's a big
3: ant farm. I'm not saying you can't contain prairie dogs. I'm just saying.
2: that's <laughs> it. sounded
3: like this. this these prairie dogs were not contained
2: okay i'll give you that well yeah because they want to live they want to treat them humanely just like uh the tiger king had plenty of t- space for his tigers to run around and play except for when they were inside of suitcases going through to the vegas
3: yeah and i i just looked it up uh, prairie dog town it's close it was called i guess it's closed now but they had a six-legged steer um and the world's largest pra- prairie dog and a bunch of snakes there
2: you go. That's uh,
3: weird. and it only cost six bucks to enter, unlike those other.
2: Whatever. All right. Good thing we had Jeff Arnold on here earlier today, so we could talk some Orioles.
3: Yeah, we got an Orioles talk in. You should have turned it off then, you fools. Uh, Josh, uh-huh. predictions for when the season starts?
2: Uh, June first.
3: Okay.
2: I'm gonna stick with June first.
3: I'm gonna say July seventeenth.
2: Alright. July 17th. Why July 17th? That's t- going to be a really short season. How many games do you think they're going to play? Then, um, if you're saying July 17th.
3: I didn't do the math. I don't mean, there's no way to know with any of this stuff, right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right, Josh. I would be a little surprised if it's June, actually. But I wouldn't be surprised if the whole season was canceled. I wouldn't be surprised if they canceled the season.
2: That yeah, would suck. Yeah. Are, are, like, are you getting tired of not having sports yet?
3: Like This was the you, first opening day was hard. This is the first kind of uh week where I kind of really miss. Like when the weather gets warm, that's when I miss today was really nice outside. That's where I miss baseball. Um Yeah. So as the weather gets warm, it gets nicer outside, I'm gonna miss it even more and more. It's true.
2: Yeah, um did you watch the uh Dumb and Young double game.
3: That, no, the, the, the Orioles were broadcasting. No, I was busy doing stuff that whole day. I didn't realize that was even being played until I got on social media. I didn't was on social media all day until like right. eight o'clock at night, and then I saw this. Go like, oh, shoot! I missed all that.
2: Um. Yeah, I tuned in a little bit before the double, so it was just in time. Yeah. Um. So I I was was able so, to catch it.
3: I've seen the dumb and young double a couple times.
2: I know exactly. <laughs> um, I saw ESPN. I think next week is showing the 2131 game. Oh, cool. So I'll turn to and watch, watch that.: Yeah. I, I hope they, um, right there. I hope that they had some way to like remaster the video quality or something, because I know the VHS I had of it was really worn down.
3: Yeah, that's cool, So. Yep. yeah. Let me get sad, sad to watch that with me. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're doing really good stuff on ESPN and stuff, and they did it earlier with on CBS and other main networks about
2: showing it's replaying not,
3: games. I think that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, and you saw MLB is showing the uh, Zach Britton bullpen game.
3: Yeah, I saw today they have uh, Derek <laughs> Jeter's like last home run against the Orioles, which was off Evan Meek, and then they also have yeah the the Zach Britton the not Zach Britton game, um, and so yeah, that's an awesome lineup
2: tonight for MLB yeah yeah exactly I think Saturday is the Zach Britton game or Friday or Saturday it's this weekend so you will not want to tune in for that yeah yeah don't um all right thanks for joining
3: us hopefully we'll be back next week assuming we're the internet
2: still exists right if if the if the internet does go away when we after good Friday when we get everything back we'll be back with you in the new world
3: yeah, and we better hope there's Orioles baseball soon or Josh is going to turn this podcast just into a conspiracy hour show. Hey, we need content. Yeah. Well, we once again, thank Jeff Arnold uh, from the Baltimore Orioles broadcast team for joining us here on Section 336. That was yeah. a fun
2: interview. And congrats again to him. So excited to for him to uh, get this like childhood dream coming true.
3: Yeah. Did you have to go through some kind of Orioles PR to get him on the show, Josh?
2: Do you really want to talk about that on the podcast? No, never mind.
3: Forget I asked. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Section336. You can follow Josh on Twitter.
2: At Josh Soroka. Hey, Orioles PR. You can reach me there, too. At Josh Soroka on Twitter.
3: (laughs) You can edit this part out, Josh, if you want. Thanks for listening, boys Uh, and girls. And as always, go O's.
2: go to the app store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out.
0: Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this
1: at birdlandsports.com.
0: The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel.
1: Enjoy your stay in Suite Thirteen.
0: Whoa, thirteen! That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore.